Morning, all. Well, if you were rushing around trying to get here on time this morning, afraid I would start without you, fear not. Yes, well, I was dragging my feet a little bit this morning, but uh, I don't know. There's like this time vortex that happens when you're getting ready for church. So, yes, you all know exactly what I'm talking about. When you have little kids, it's the same way every day of the week when they have school. You drag them out of bed with a crane and get them to choose something to eat and make Levi's cream of wheat because that's what he takes for lunch every day. Chocolate cream of wheat, no less. Jeremy's teacher always walks by. He's like, oh, we got the nasty brown stuff again today. Yes, well, well, Jesus, we thank you so much for this place to gather with your people, for your, your word being the foundation on which we stand, uh, the thing to which we hold, the thing to which we are building our life upon, God, that you are building us into this this great temple, uh, this this the walls of this city. And we want to be a part of what you're doing. And we pray that you would just take every heart in this place and uh, break us open this morning, God, to receive your word. God, plant it inside of us. Cause it to grow. God, say exactly what you want to say in this place today. God, that we would uh, receive with meekness that engrafted word which is able to save our souls. And God, that, that we would have ears to hear uh, that which you would say to us. Got every need in this place you know. And God, we ask you to do it. Uh, God, because you are that great meter of our needs. And Jesus, we just come to you this morning humbly, uh, looking to you as the author and finisher of our faith. God, to do these things in our lives that we could never do, but that your power most certainly will do in us. God, we pray it in your name. Amen, amen. All right. So, go with me to Deuteronomy 8. Now, Deuteronomy is a precious book, you know, as, as are the other 65. But, you know, there's something about this book where Moses takes all this time to reiterate uh, everything that he said in Exodus. Um, and it just has this kind of different understanding to it, a different feel to it. It's it's this, you know, he, he knows that they're getting ready to go into the promised land and he's not going. And uh, he has, you know, born with them these 40 years in the wilderness and, or at least with this generation's parents, as it were. And uh, so he knows you know, the way that people behave is no surprise to him. And so his uh, intelligence based on experience leads him to talk to these people about, to remind them. He starts out, now you remember where we started out from the very beginning. And then by the, by the end of the book, he's talking about the mountain of blessings and the mountain of cursings and, and imploring them to choose life. Because he knows that the human nature won't particularly choose that. Um, 
in, in Deuteronomy 8, he has a really precious um, uh, thing to say to them. I'll just start in verse 1. All the commandments that I command you this day shall you observe to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which your fa- the Lord swore unto your fathers. You know, I don't know about you, but whenever I read something like this, I immediately kind of go into this mindset of uh, here's the commandments written in stone and you're going to do this and you're going to get your stuff together and pull up your bootstraps, hike up your undies and get this done. And and it's interesting because as you read down through this book, uh, you lose that sense of, of that. Where it's not so much this sense of, uh, thanks, Bob. You you lose this sense of uh, it being um, get your stuff together. It's like more of a please for the love of Pete, just do this, you know. And uh, you know, I I grew up in the '80s, and uh, when when Bill Cosby was popular, and and he talked about how his children had to have a beating every night before they would go to bed. It's like, you know, they simply would not go to bed until they'd had their beating. <laughs> and uh, and he said, every night I would plead with them, please, just do as your mother says so we could avoid the beating thing before bed. And, uh, uh, and uh, the further you get into this book, it kind of seems to have this sort of sense of, please just do this. You know, and, but he points out frequently that this is for your good that I'm asking you to do these things. That you know, God didn't give you a bunch of rules to be the big bummer. You know, he's he's you know these these rules are uh, for your own good, for everybody's own good, and they're not even all that terribly restrictive. You know, uh, and and. You know, down through the ages, the church has taken those rules and made them more and more. They've added on to them. You know, just like just like the Pharisees. You know, it's like, you know, like the story Ron tells about sunshine showing up at the church and wearing pants, smoking a cigarette, and then sitting with the men. You know, it's like I love that story. You know, you know, I mean, I, and I didn't grow up in church, and, and this is the only church I've really been to, and so to me, it's so mystifying that people would even think like that, or behave like that, and call themselves Christian. You know, I mean, there's there's this song that has a great line in it. The guy says that, um, uh, "Have we become so blind that we can't see? God has to change their heart before He changes their shirt." And and it's like you know that's. It's an interesting thought because if if the things inside are in order, then the things outside will follow. And uh, it kind of depends on who's in charge in your life. I love that story Ron tells about uh, Ethan and how he was, you know, Ethan was the big boss, but Ron was the bigger boss. And uh, so we all have that big boss, little boss thing in our life. And as time goes on, the little boss gets bigger and bigger, and the big boss gets old and decrepit, and and loses his his grip, and uh, which is a glorious thing. And so, you know, so I I read this, you know, and I think, commandments, do this, 
you know, but uh, but it's interesting because he doesn't say do this because God's gonna be mad if you don't. He says uh, in verse one, he says, "All these commandments that I command you this day shall you observe and do, that you may live and multiply." You know, and like in our society today, uh, I, I was getting my hair cut the other day, and the lady was talking to me about her kids and and stuff, and how, you know, when they don't want to listen to her, she goes and gets dad, and all of a sudden, they just magically mind. I was like, yeah, my house is kind of the same way. And uh, it's like, but you know, that's the thing that is the matter with our society. Like, not to be all preachy at you, but you know, it's like we've stopped telling our kids no. And it's like, you go, you go to the school, you know, you go check out the kids' school, and there's all these kids that are just tore up because nobody ever told them no. And nobody ever made them follow the rules. And and it leaves them uh, without a sense of boundaries, without a sense of control, without a sense of peace. And she's like, yeah, wow. You know, so you know, so following these things, it's not this terribly onerous thing. It's like, do this that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land. Because I'm sure they, you know, these people are all probably in their 30s and 40s, and they've grown up with this. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we came up to Canaan, and we kind of didn't go in. Now, you know, so you grew up in the wilderness. And so, you know, when you get back over there, don't do not do that. You know, it's like, just, just go in. And, uh, and, you know, Joshua and Caleb are standing over there like, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Like, you know, they come up there, it's like, round two, here we go. Fingers crossed. And you should remember all the way that the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to prove you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. That's an interesting thing that God does that in your life because He already knows what's there. He knows what's in your heart better than you do. And so as you go through these wilderness type things in your life, you find out what's in you. You you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, warts and all, it's like you find out what's in there. Some of those discoveries are discouraging. Some of them can really be a blessing because God puts things in your life and then when He turns up the pressure in your life, these things come out that you didn't know were in there and and you know that, wow, in, in me dwells no good thing, so this must be something God put in there. And it's an encouraging thing to have that happen. But uh, but it's interesting, you know, I, I've been doing this this uh, study that I still have not got to the end of. There's this thing that's just right out of reach because, in, you know, in Genesis, and if you beat me to the answer, I will be mad. But in, in, in Genesis 22, it says that God tested Abraham, right? Okay, well you go over to James, and uh, the the same sort of word they're using for testing you know, uh, is the word that he uses in James when it says that God doesn't tempt anyone and he's not tempted of evil and stuff. So I don't get that. But everywhere I looked, it, it besides that scripture in Genesis, it seems to it seems to agree throughout the word that God doesn't tempt you or that He doesn't test you like that. Like that, it seems like maybe He He lets those things come to you to. Um, uh, like he knows they're coming, but he doesn't drag you into them, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm still looking into that. It's interesting. 
But it says here that, that he that he led them in that way out into the wilderness. Of course, they weren't uh, they weren't down with doing the thing that he wanted them to do. And uh, you know, it's an interesting thing, uh, you know, because once they when they realized that you know, oh, God's not going to ferry dust us in there now that we said we weren't going in. Now we really aren't, and we find out how deep the rabbit hole goes. Now we'd like to go in and make this happen. And God says, no, 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 not now. You know, and uh, we've all had those moments in life, especially when you're a kid and your parents are like, nope, too late now. Sorry. You know, and so, so God led them this way to humble them and to prove them, to know what was in their heart, whether they would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger, fed thee with manna which you knew not, Neither your father did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God does man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. So he's this God of miracles, right? Takes all these people out in the wilderness where there is no way to take care of a few people, hardly. And he takes all these people out there and he takes care of them. You know, he suffered them to hunger. He let them get hungry because, you know, sometimes you've got to get hungry before you'll, you'll, you know, eat those things that you'd rather not. And uh, that's the great thing about fasting. Stuff that you would really not care for starts sounding really good. You know, you're sitting, you know, across the table from your friend and they start looking like a hand with, like, little bones sticking out of the end. and <laughs> You're like subconsciously reaching for your silverware. <laughs> I don't fast often. That's why I have lots of friends. So, <laughs> so I've never tried to wrestle them down and eat them. But, but, uh, <clears throat> so, but, but their clothes didn't wax old. There, there's no place to get more clothes. You know, you couldn't run over to, you know. You know, pennies on Moab Avenue and get another, you know, <laughs> outfit. So they, you know, so God made their clothes last all this time. And and if you've ever tried to keep a kid in shoes, it's it is a losing, hopeless proposition because as soon as you get them, they will wear them a few times and then they will be too small. And uh, and. And it said that uh, your raiment waxed not old on you, neither did your foot swell these 40 years. So it's like, how, how would that happen? I mean, I've had some leather shoes that stretched, but not so much like kid size all the way to an adult. And, uh, you know, so he just offhandedly mentions these, you know, oh, by the way, I miraculously did this and that and the other thing. And he says, thou shalt consider in thine heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord thy God chastens thee. Therefore, thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and fear him. For the Lord thy God brings thee into a good land, a land of brooks, water, fountains, depths that spring out of the valleys and hills. I was reading this and I thought, chasten? Like, I don't, nobody likes chastening. That's, that's not pleasant but grievous. And, uh, you know, but there's an interesting thing about this, this chastening, you know, because because, uh, you know, he, he suffered them to hunger and, and proved them by that. Because he said here, I, I want to know what's in your heart. 
and, and I want you to see what's in your heart. And that's a great thing when you see what's there and it's ugly, then uh, that's a, a low moment. Uh, you know, we've all had those moments. You know, I, when I worked with Kevin, um, I was young and uh, impatient and just generally unpleasant. And uh, uh, I was much like the children of Israel. I liked to complain. Not so much because I wanted it fixed. Sometimes I did, I, but I just—it made me feel better to complain about it. You know, I, I was in the—I uh, was the cheerleader for our business, and uh, this God started showing me these things in me, uh, unrelated to that. But I just—I started seeing these things, and I was really discouraged about it. And uh, one day I'm talking with Kevin about it at work, and I was like, you know, I just—I am a butthead. And bless his soul, you could see he was really trying hard not to laugh. <laughs> and I just kind of got this sense, it's like, well, I don't want to agree with him, but I get what he's saying. Um, well, <laughs> so so we've all had those kind of, wow, I'm a butthead moments. And, uh, but the great thing is, is that seeing those things, is the one of the first and best steps to getting getting that fixed in your life because then then you now that God's brought it to your attention then you bring it to his attention it's like uh, let's let's so I'm okay now that I've seen this I I'd, I'd like to have this gone and so God takes us through these tough places this chastening that he's talking about here it's interesting because you know I started out with my kids, uh, with this idea that chastening was you have inconvenienced me or otherwise upset me, and therefore you should be punished. And uh, as time went on, I realized that that's not how it works at all. You know, it's like this is a teaching thing. This is a training thing. And uh, so, uh, you know, when you know when you are forced to correct your children about something is is it because you love them or because you don't love them you know because you do love them I was talking to my kids about that this just the other day uh, it's like you know do you, do you think that I correct you because I love you or because I don't it's like you know in fact this is proof positive that I do yeah. and and uh, and so that's an interesting thing because it seems so when you're in this wilderness place and you're not sure are you on year one or year 39, it's, it feels like, why is this happening? And, uh, you know, and, and so God brings us through these places to prove us and to teach us and to train us because during those places, He proves His faithfulness to us. Uh, and, and His faithfulness in the face of our unfaithfulness and his his faithfulness to to keep his promises and to to do the stuff in our life that he said he would do. So, you know, I hear the word chastening. I I, I kind of cinch up a little bit, like, ooh, here it comes. But but there's this loving thing because he's talking about Israel being his son, and he's like, you know, so I want you to consider the way that God deals with you is the way that you deal with your kid, and. Um, 
You know, I don't know. There's something about it's your own kid that's just such a precious thing. I mean, other kids, other people's kids are adorable and they're wonderful and you love them. There's something about your own kid that you just, you kind of, you just look at them and you're like, wow, what a great little kid. Like I could just scoop him up and keep him. Maybe I will. <laughs> and when he's 50, he'll probably want to get off my lap and be like, come on, Dad. Seriously. It's awkward. So, so it's a precious thing that he takes us through these places because he he's he's preparing them for something. So he says, "You shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to fear Him, for the Lord your God brings you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat, and barley, and vines, and fig trees and pomegranates, a land full of uh, oil, olive, and honey." A land wherein you shall eat bread without scarceness. You shall not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron, out of whose hills you may dig brass. So that sounds like a nice place. Especially after coming out of this place of, you know, their parents were slaves in Egypt. And now they've grown up in the wilderness. These nomads with no possessions to speak of. And uh, living on this, this... food that is supernaturally provided. Uh, there are some of us who don't mind eating the same thing all the time. My kids come by it honestly. But, um, you know, the there, there would, I, I can only imagine the, the feeling they would have for wanting a place that was theirs. A place to settle down. This is, this is my house, you know, uh, Go down to the end of Yamaga Street, and I'm right over there, you know, on, in this house, right over here. And uh, and to to eat bread without scarceness, because being in the wilderness and knowing that you know that that you you eat at the 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 pleasure and the and the whim of God, it's not a bad place to be, not a scary place to be, but it certainly is uncomfortable for your flesh versus living in a place with bread without scarceness. And uh, so so he's he's saying, look, I've, I've brought you through this place to teach you about you, to teach you about me. And and so you've gone through this place of deprivation to to learn from me because you didn't you didn't you didn't go without. You went without, but you didn't go without. You know, you didn't die out there, did you? And uh so, so he said, "Now I'm getting ready to bless you, and you you're going to be blessed." And you know, God, to him, is just around the corner that that Solomon is going to be king, and they're going to be the wealthiest nation uh, on earth. And uh, so, in verse ten, he says, "When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that He's given thee. Beware that you forget not the Lord your God." in not keeping His commandments and His judgments and His statutes that I command you this day. Blessed when you have eaten and you're full, and you've built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. So, it's an interesting place because in one way or another, we're all in these wilderness places. 
And, and so God teaches us a lot of great things. And I don't know about you, but when I go through a hard place, my gut instinct is to just grit my teeth, put my head down, and, and just get through it. But there is this sense of joy in the journey that we can find when we draw close to Him and, and recognize that this is good for me too. And, and I can benefit from this in a way that uh, God can touch other people through the things that, that I learned in the wilderness. And so, so I can tell you that we all are either in the wilderness or we have just come from the wilderness. And so, you know, we're all in these places of either waiting on some grand blessing from God that He's promised us or... Uh, or perhaps we just are coming into it. But in either case, this is a very, uh, a very serious thing that he says. When you have eaten and are full, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that He's given you. When you when you when you hold in your hands this thing that God has given you, or when when it when it comes to pass this blessing that He has promised you, then you're going to thank God for it. And and who wouldn't? I mean, that's that's kind of going to be your knee-jerk reaction, right? It's like, man, thank you, Jesus. What a blessing. But beware that you forget not the Lord your God in keeping His commandments and judgments and statutes, which I command you to stay. Because isn't that exactly what they did? They they got settled in. They got comfortable. They got used to the level of blessing that they were accustomed to. And, uh, you know... Uh, God was going to get an earful if they somehow had anything less, you know. And 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 that's human nature, isn't it? We're we're easily spoiled, you know. I've I've been through places in my life where I just thought, man, this is not the level of blessing I am accustomed to. So, what is the deal here, you know? And um, you know, but it's a great thing because God really does. Turn those dials in your life to get your attention. And uh, um, the great thing is, though, is um, whether you're in plenty or in want, uh, God is is the uh, the driving force behind that. He's the impetus behind the things that go on in your life because He's has something for you to learn in it. And that's why Paul said that he was uh, he was content to be abased, he was content to abound, all that stuff, it, 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 it was all the same to him. And, uh, but, um, you know, Israel is, gives us quite the cautionary tale here because they have this plain as day, black and white warning. And, and then we, we know from uh, the rest of their history that, that that's precisely what they did. They, they, they became great in their own eyes, just like Saul. And and God never intended for them to uh, keep the world at arm's length and, and not allow them to be a part of them. He intended for the world to be able to see that this people belongs to Him and the people that belong to Him are blessed and, and that He takes care of them. You know, and... Uh, you know, and I'm not just talking about you know physical blessings because you know I think the the time for those is is running short. But um, the you know 
there was a time when they were wandering in the wilderness where they wanted they wanted quail, right? Yep. And in the Psalms it said that God gave them their request, but He sent leanness into their yeah. soul. And so, uh, and I I thought often of that over the years because I I have been broke, I have been not broke, and I've lived on ramen and I've lived on steak, you know. And um, the thing is, is I would rather live on ramen and have this sense that me and God are okay, and and that sense of of pleasure in my relationship with Him. Uh, would be far better than living in Mission Hills and driving a Mercedes and and feeling like God was a million miles away. And and so we all know that. Uh, be really nice to live in Mission Hills with the Mercedes and feel like God was right there. And, and you know, but whatever. Um, no, but um, but it's a serious um, injunction, you know, to beware that you don't forget God. Like going into this blessing that God's going to give you, or having just received these things that God has promised you, it's like beware that you don't forget Him. It says less than you've eaten, and you're full, and you've built goodly houses and dwelt therein. And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Who led you through that great and terrible wilderness where there were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water. Who brought forth water out of the rock of Flint. Who led you in the wilderness with manna, fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. So, again, he reiterates the sense of whatever good, bad, or ugly spot you're in. This is is to do you good at your latter end. You know that that's why that's why we all have a coffee mug at home that's got Jeremiah twenty nine eleven on it, and uh, or in our case a plaque for the sailboat. But um, but we all uh, are aware of that's what God does. That that uh, we go through these difficult places and 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 He does humble you because. Uh, you know, God makes all kinds of people and all kinds of personalities. And there are some people who uh, just kind of approach life wringing their hands and with their shoulders slumped and, oh dear, here we go. And there are people who just come charging out of the gate ready to, you know, grab life by the horns and put it in the headlock. But, um, you know, um, you know, and so... You know, and and so I, you know, I think you know this the sense of self-sufficiency and, and pride. You know, God knows how to humble that, not not in a way that is uh, debasing, but just kind of this proof of, well, actually, I, I I'm the big boss, and, and you're the little boss. You know, and and these people. Um, I would identify myself more with the crowd who wrings their hands and kind of approaches life like this, and uh, and he and he and he proves you, and he finds out what's what's really there, and and so God puts things in you that that you would have never thought were there, and uh, you know it just he he knows how to 
peel back enough layers to get there and, and bring it out for you to see and for everyone else to see. But all those things that he does, they're all to do you good at your latter end. So, so he's got this warning here, though, right? Because he's, he's saying that beware lest when you, this, all this stuff happens to you, you forget that I've done this for your good. In verse 17, he says, And you shall say in your heart, My power and might and my hand has gotten me this well. So isn't that what Nebuchadnezzar said? You know, right before he was turned into a beast, he was standing there on the balcony, and he said, Is this not great Babylon that I have made my might and my glory? And... and uh, uh, God had already used Daniel to tell him, oh, by the way, I put the world under your feet because the world is mine to give to whoever I will. And you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives thee the power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. You know, and... I don't know. To me, wealth is almost a nasty word in church because of the way that people have treated church like a business. You know, I like our business coach wants Mike and I to come down to Nashville for this painting thing, and I don't really want to go. So I thought, well, I got a good out. I was like, well, we're both involved in the ministry at our church. Our weekend getaways are kind of tough, you know, and he. You know, and he just kind of seemed to think it was like, well, my boss won't let me leave, you know. And I was like, well, no, it's not that, you know. But it's not that uh, I need anyone, you know, any flesh and blood person's permission to be gone for a weekend. But you know, that this is the thing that I, this is what my life is about: painting things secondary. And uh, uh, I haven't really gotten the chance to. Explain that to him. I was going to be talking to him Wednesday morning, so that should be interesting because I'd imagine he's going to push me, but uh, um, which should be interesting because I just love it when pushy people push me. Oh man! Because I approach those kind of conversations. Like, oh, here we go. So, but if you were at my house the day after Thanksgiving when we were hosting Thanksgiving, you know that I do get frustrated if you push me too much. I had this person call me, salesman, salesman, and I told them no, I'm not interested, thank you very much, very politely, you know, I was like, I'm just going to stop you right there, and I I felt bad because I knew she was just doing her job, but, uh, you know, because of course she has to ask me, but what about blah, 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 because they record these, and so I got, I was like, I said I'm not interested. <laughs> so... As I molded over, I thought, and I would really not want somebody to do that to me. But, but then again, if somebody tells me no, I'm like, okay, very good. You know, there's like 50 million people that I could talk to. You know, I don't have time to beat my head against the wall and beg you to to listen to what I have to say. So, um, so like I said, you know, I mean, he, I haven't, I didn't really look up what this word wealth particularly means. I mean, you know, wealth is a good word. Wealth's not a intrinsically bad thing, but but you know, what I think of is the sense of prosperity in your soul and, and, and in your life because you know, that's what he you know, the the church takes this verse in Second John about 
prospering as your soul prospers. And it's like, you should be rich. You know, and it's like, and if you're not, there must be something wrong with your soul. And it's like, well, or or not. You know, I mean, it takes all kinds because then you have people that are like, all oh, money is bad. And, and if you've got money, then there's something wrong with your soul. So, it's like, okay. But, whatever. But you say in your heart that my power, my the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. Remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives thee the power, the power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, that He swear to, his, to your fathers as it is this day. So He's saying, you know what? Whatever ability you may have comes from Me. Uh, however, all these good things in your life, uh, they come from Me. The tough things in your life, they come from Me. So I'm, I'm going to humble you and I'm going to prove you and. And when you when you come to that place of humility and you understand that that I am that fount from which all blessings flow, then then I can bless you, and and I can I can work stuff out for you because you'll know that it wasn't you, but but your flesh is going to get comfortable with it and get used to it, and so when that happens, uh, beware because we all. You know, we all get down and grab a hold of the altar when we really need something from God, and uh, and there is that's a great time to do it. But um, God would really like to have you just come in and grab hold of the altar when you don't really particularly need something. That you were just there to see Him and tell Him how much you appreciate everything He's done for you, or that He's gonna do for you, everything that He did for you in the past, what He's doing for you right now. Because if you look hard enough, you know maybe you will have to look hard, but you can find something right now in your life that is awesome. Even something that you wouldn't necessarily want to thank him for, like Corey Ten Boom and the fleas. It's like, but you're humbling me and you're proving me because you have good for me at my latter end. So, man, God, I sure appreciate that you would do that for me. So, so that sense of Putting God first and, and understanding that uh, everything that He does in our life uh, is is good. And that um, we we just we want to be careful how how we, we treat him that we don't really harangue him and hang on to him for dear life until we get what it is that we're after and then uh, and then kind of go about our way. It's like, okay, thanks, I'll see you later. You know, uh, because that's you know, it's not what he's after, and and that's not what you're after. So, uh, what we want is to have that, uh, you know, that that gratefulness uh, and that that cognizance that that he comes first. So Jesus, we just thank you so much for your word, for your blessings to us, and your goodness, God, for your your warnings to us, God, to to um, to remember. Uh, that you come first, to remember to uh, consecrate ourselves to you, God, to set ourselves aside as belonging to you. God, your, your word tells us that by our acceptance of your sacrifice, we belong to you. And um, you, uh, you don't fight us if we go to take up that ownership again, but you do warn us that it's a bad idea. And God, what we want is to... Uh, 
to not take up uh, that ownership of ourself again, that that leadership of our own life again, God, but to lay it at your feet and to to leave it there and not presume to take it back from you. And Jesus, what we pray is that, um, that in whatever place we may be, God, to take hold of you, to take hold of your blessings um, in in this moment. God, those um, those dark, tough places are a, a wonderful place to to get hold of those those blessings of the inner man. God, as we draw close to you, Lord God, and I just pray that as you bring us through these places, God, that that sense of closeness with you, God, would would be the very basis of our life, the basis of our walk. And God, today I just pray that you would bless this place with your presence and do exactly what you want to do. God, nothing less will be satisfactory for us. God, we have expectation that you're going to do something great because that's who you are. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen.